It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm wearing a Henley. Is that nice? Oh, it looks like a button-up. Oh. Nope. <laughs> it looks like you wear a button-up uh, button and, uh, oh, man, maybe you just got some sun. You look, you look, you look less sickly than usual. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is, is that now I don't have to search for a cold open later. Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast, a subsidiary and close friend, but it's only friends of the Touchline Media Group. They're based in London. Check them out at touchlinefraca.co.uk. That's touchlinefraca, the S is silent, so F-R-A-C-A-S.co.uk. They've got all sorts of real fun podcasts, so check them out. Um, I'm your host, Asa Smith aka Twiggy, uh, with you as always, with uh, my co-host, The Stump. How are we doing? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, this entire weekend, I'm play- basically playing with house money, right? That's usually how that goes, yeah. Uh, so this week's episode is, is I, I always say this week, this episode, there are two weekly episodes, you can, you can check us out on Mondays and Thursdays. Um, this episode is brought to you by whoever Blue Wire Pod has decided to put in, as well as the Smith Workforce Management Group for all of your uh, business law, in-house counsel, employment law, NIL needs nationwide, or family law needs in the states of New York, California, and Michigan. Check out the Smith Workforce Management Group at smithworkforce.com. We've got a great show for you. Uh, Angus is going to join us in a little bit to talk about some things, uh, mostly football-related. Uh, but first, let's get right into it with um, our erstwhile co-host Ben, uh, and let's talk. Uh, let's talk about some U.S. men's national team stuff. Ben, how you feeling? I'm pretty good. Um, looking back on it, though, counting down from ten to go live was a little excessive. We probably could have counted down from like three. Thanks. That's the second. Time he, we recorded the segment already. He's already learned that lesson. 
the, the, the fun thing here is that we have this podcast that's ostensibly about sports, yet the first part of every single episode is people yelling at me about produ- production quality. It's also the fact that we're yelling, about, yelling at you about things that already happened in our lives, but that the listeners won't know about for another 20 minutes. Uh, give or take. Um, and uh, just for, for, for what it's worth here, um, the, uh, the thing that we talk about later Lincoln Riley is not going to LSU. Oh, um, that. <laughs> and Lane Kiffin is probably just out of recruiting trip, Louisiana, right? <laughs> that that report came out like literally as Asa was saying, Lincoln Riley is going to LSU. I guarantee it. And then like we got the t- we got like texts of the tweet. I'm like, no, he's not. <laughs> uh, but my my other prediction, which which I think was the the reason for the predict- prediction, uh, was that. Um, uh, Mark Stoops is going to go to, I think I said Stoops is going to coach Oklahoma, which is true. I didn't, I don't think I, I clarified which Stoops, Bob, Bob Stoops, uh, interim coach there. Mark Stoops, I think will ultimately be the coach. Um, Wait, as is the interim coach at Oklahoma right now. Yeah. Bob Stoops is taking over and, uh, through the bowl game. So yeah, going full dot Barry Alvarez. It's great. Um, so, so uh, let's, um, there, there was some soccer uh, that, that has happened. This is, we've, we've sort of set this up as the, um, the window review, the mid, mid qualifying, how we feel and where we at. Um, but first things first, I, I feel the need to point out that um, Christian Pulisic should have had a game winning assist this morning. Um, and the fact that he didn't made me sad. I want to talk about it. Thank you. Um. Although I, sh- I should say, like, uh, kudos to Manchester United for hiring um, the Rich Rodriguez of football. He created a scheme that we love, uh, but he himself is pretty poor as a coach. My favorite thing is he, every time he gets appointed, like, GM or technical director everywhere, he's like, he goes through this extensive coaching search. He's like, you know, I think I'm the best choice for this. <laughs> I, I pick me. Well, uh, what's his uh, Dick Cheney vibes. Dick, Dick, Dick Cheney vibes. Um, and also, uh, I, I want to give him... Um, and Barry Alvarez vibes. Yeah, Barry Alvarez vibes. But also, this is like great news for us because um, if Jesse Marsh can get his shit even a little bit together, um, he's going to Manchester United. <laughs> yeah, they got blasted today. Jeez. Yeah. I have such anxiety watching him because I have this like total little brother complex with Americans in Europe playing football and anytime that any one of us just doesn't like perform to where i want them to it just crushes me like every time i see a scoreline update on my phone for leipzig i'm like oh god oh no he's, he's gonna, gonna get, get fired, fired. No. <laughs> yeah I, I like i like that you have a little brother concept since we know that you are in fact the littler the littler the littler but older brother that is correct <laughs> to, to our to to friend of the pod mike um the, Most people are are littler brothers, though. To Mike Kukowski, I'm, I'm a rag doll to Mike. So yeah. <laughs> unless, unless you're unless you're in the league, still you're probably smaller than my brother. I think I told this story before, but uh, we like we obviously went to college with Mike, and Mike is a very large human being. And I was getting mouthy at uh, I think it was Charlie's one time, and Mike didn't want to deal with like me talking shit to other people. So he literally just picked me up and told me he's not putting me down until I calmed down. And it's like, when you do that to like a toddler, I was like, no, no, fine. 
Uh, we it's like nice. Charlie's. It's good that he was uh, de-escalating the situation. That's a that's a positive. Wasn't yeah. always the case. <laughs> um, but our other our other American son play uh, do, coaching in Europe had a good day. Um, I think Stuttgart won today. Yeah. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his name because I will offend the entire state of New Jersey and nation of Italy. So, <laughs> Pellegrino Matarazzo. And you know he's got a cool Jersey nickname that just is waiting to come out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that, that's, that's uh, hold on. Say, say the name one more time. Pellegrino Matarazzo. Oh, he's Seltzer. He's like half Italian, half German somehow. <laughs> yeah, his nickname from now on on this pod he- is Seltzer. Somehow, <laughs> been through history, right? Like there was a time when those two nations were very well acquainted. With <laughs> they, yes. they, 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 maybe uh, at a time in which his parents or their parents would have been courting, uh, Italy uh, and Germany uh, agreed about forms of government. I was going to say, <laughs> next thing you're going to tell me is uh, I don't know why he grew up in Argentina. Like I have several. <laughs> All right, moving on. Soccer background came from somewhere. <laughs> um, moving on. Uh, what what a what a melting pot though of, of soccer culture though. When you, okay. you know, right? That like, I mean, in theory, that like a a German Italian mix that grew up in Argentina should, in theory, be like the best soccer player. Oh, for sure. I mean, dudes, dudes doing pretty well. So I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that if we like just sort of went to Argentina, brought some people over to America and be like, hey, you're, you're, you're in the, the coaching pool now because um, I assume that we are going to have some takes about uh, our coaching. So, not, that this, not that this podcast gets listened to by that many people, but I feel like we're constantly on the edge of saying something horribly racist that'll have to have be like scrubbed from the internet forever. <laughs> <laughs> but see, like, I, I, I think... You know, the closest we've gotten is just uh, making the Balkans angry. We we have made the Balkans angry. We did uh, historically. When has that ever been a problem? Never, never a problem. All right, their... soccer, soccer podcast, yeah, right? soccer podcast. Only Kevin and I have to worry about the proximity to the Jokic brothers. That's true. That's true. I I feel like I probably um, upset the island nation of Haiti. Uh, when when we had some theories about assassination, but um, moving on, uh, let's so let's talk about where we are. Um, we are now more, a little bit past halfway um, through World Cup qualifying. We sit second behind, as we all thought, our our neighbor um, Canada. Uh, not the neighbor we thought, but uh, the neighbor we deserve. Um, so I think that, that, that we've learned some things and we've also established some things. So um, Ben, I don't know if you have this handy, but you certainly have the information somewhere uh, in your head uh, as, as copious as the, your, your abilities are. Um, what, what do you think is the biggest takeaway from the first half of qualifying in terms of the pool? So not necessarily the team, but like who has in your mind gone from like the, the, the highest jump? Well, maybe Miles right now, Miles Robinson. He went from being like a like a fringe on the roster guy to probably like the first center back on the roster sheet on the team sheet there. And then I don't know. I think we're learning the importance and I don't know possibly the shallowness of our midfield. 
Like if we have if we have all three starters, we can play with a lot of a lot of teams. Whereas if we're missing any one of those guys, I'm not sure any of them are replaceable. Like Adams definitely isn't. I think we've seen in the couple games where we didn't have McKenney, he's pretty pretty integral. And I don't know, maybe out of those three, Musa is the one you could possibly, you know, find a, a decent fill in for. But yeah, I think I think that's where we're at as far as midfield goes. Um, forward, I don't know. I, I think we're again, Pappy. I'm excited about, but he hasn't exactly written his name in ink. There, we're pretty deep at wing. I think we've seen we've survived pretty well without Pulisic and Reyna. So I don't know. That's a lot. That's a lot there, but. What do you think? Uh, so what, what I wanted to, to talk about is that, especially in the midfield, and that actually was a good segue that I that I figured we were going to talk about later, but now's as good time as any. Um, so the, the sort of the gold standard amongst our corner of U.S. men's national team internet is, is Scuffed Podcast. And there have been people sort of around Twitter who have been pushing this idea that Josh Sargent is not a forward. He's an eight. Um, and... You know, like we've talked on this podcast extensively about like Josh Sargent is really good at all of the things you want your center forward to be at, except for the thing that you need your center forward to be good at. Um, and so Scuffed finally sort of got on board with that as, you know, Josh Sargent as the eight. Was that um, not a joke? I saw that on Twitter. I thought they were kidding. I don't think they were kidding. <laughs> I think that they that that given um, the, the manner of response, I don't think they were kidding. I think that there's uh, there's like this like vague groundswell. Uh, unless it was like a, a unless I was being I, I missed it. It's it's possible that I did, but I, I I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to bring up the idea that we don't have midfielders, but we have other people who potentially could deputize there, which is my way of saying like do we feel that Reyna can be used at the eight because we do have wing depth? Um, I I took it uh, in the way that this podcast likes to do it is at first it was a joke and then they got attacked. Scuff got attacked. So like viciously (laughs) that they're like, no, 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 I'm right. He can definitely be an eight and just like doubled and tripled down as uh, you know, members of this pod are well versed in. Yeah. That's that's sort of what uh, we do because it's okay to to be wrong, but if people if people try to ratio you, you got it. You got to fight back. Got to fight the ratio. Um, so, Kevin, what what like as as we're we're sort of talking about that area of the field um, and where we don't have depth or where we thought we had depth, um, it's clear it's clear that we need to. I mean, we need to find um, two eights and a six, right? Like, does anybody feel cool about? Any of our backups? I mean, Busio, I guess. But when he's played with the national team as a starter, I've never been impressed. He's awesome in cameos. Um, but I, I don't – yeah. The, the biggest thing about, oh, we don't have backups, I think that part of the – it's all about, like, the lens that you view the starting three through. Um, like, a calendar year ago, maybe when we never saw the MMA midfield at full strength or we were mixing people in and out – um, they just weren't as effective and the way that the three of them performed against Mexico set a much higher uh, level of play than I think we were expecting potential backups to achieve. And I think that, that kind of messes with, Oh, well, no, when you plug Busio in for McKinney, it things look like they fall apart. Well, it's because it was a very function, like high functioning midfield prior to that. So I think that that's a good thing. Um, 
Busio is I compared to the kind of cage match style MMA midfield is definitely more of a luxury player. So I don't know who he's the correct like like for like replacement for. And beyond that in the midfield, there's just not a whole lot of options that are just obvious either from a like a a total skill or talent standpoint or even really what they do well on the field. Um they just like Kellen Acosta doesn't play the six like Tyler Adams does necessarily. Busio doesn't play like McKenny or Musa. Legette certainly doesn't play like McKenny or Musa. So it's it's a weird thing to to try and like find backups because this, they're stylistically different. Right. I think uh your part to Acosta is I think he's athletically similar to Tyler, but I don't think he reads the game as well and you know plays the ball for like he's not Julian Julian Nogglesman has never said he's my quarterback about about you know Kellen Acosta. Fair. Kellen Acosta, I'm I'm gonna give you a uh Kellen Acosta is um I'm gonna give you a name of a quarterback who you don't remember, but I think is is the perfect analogy. And it's Kevin O'Connell, who is a backup quarterback for the Patriots for like 10 years. And the reason I bring him up is because he uh was like a five-star quarterback coming out of high school, but he wasn't good in high school. And they, what they said was like, Oh, he's six, five. He moves well. He's got a great arm. He's got all the intangibles. If we can just teach him how to be accurate, he'll be the guy. And then he gets to college and he's not very good at like San Diego state or or whatever it was. And then the Patriots drafted him in like the third round. And then he just continued not being very good, even though everybody who looked at him was like, Oh yeah, he'll be a, he'll be a, a surefire hall of famer. Um, and that's what I'm, I, I think the more that we, we watch Acosta and we see what he has in his tool bag, right? Like he can make passes that nobody else can make and he can, he can, he can make up ground that nobody else can make up. But unlike those like little moments where you need him to just be competent, he fails, you know, like, well, he, like, he just processes a little bit more slowly than the guys, you know, that play in Europe. And is that something that you know, how old is he? 26 now, 27. Yeah. You know, maybe if he was playing in the Bundesliga when he was 21, 22, maybe that's just something you pick up, but you know, it's not something you're forced to pick up playing in MLS. And I'm not saying I texted you guys about this last week. I wasn't saying it's like knock MLS, but I watched uh, Chelsea and uh, who did, who, who did they just play in the liver and, um, Juventus, Chelsea Juventus in the Champions League. And that game was so compact. Like there was always like 15 guys within, you know, whatever, how many yards of the ball. And then I turned on the MLS playoff game that night. And like the game is just so stretched. There's gaping spaces for guys to run into and be in. And it's not, but it's, I don't know. It's just playing in that environment does not make you process quickly compared to the other. Well, it's like, it's like running a, I was like, Aza and I talked about this last year uh, when, so when during COVID, when, you know, European football came back first and we spent a bunch of time watching EPL and I think both of us were watching a lot of Bundesliga as well. And then the MLS came back to that smaller tournament. And like, we talked about how jarring it was to go from, you know, Bundesliga and EPL to all of a sudden you come back to MLS and it's not a, like a knock on MLS or anything, but it's just that like, the European, especially the top flight guys, are just so far and above any anything else that it's always just shocking to kind of see. You know, well, it's like watching watching you know college quarterbacks throw into windows that are you know ten yards open, and you go to an NFL game and if a guy's a yard open, you're lucky. 
Yeah. Right. And it, it and to me, like what the difference is, is, to me, it's not the difference between college and pro. To me, it's the difference between like um like high level high school football and low level or high level high school sports and low level high school sports, right? Like I I I played basketball um like with with at both levels, you know, in 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 various sort of forms, not like well, but you know, I was there. And you can tell like the difference between playing against a bad team and a good team is not that necessarily the quality of player is all that much different. It's that the good teams, they speed you up somehow, whether, whether it's their defense or pace or whatever, they speed you up and there's nobody speeding anybody up in MLS because, and we've talked about this on this pod, there's an incentive structure in which all of the money goes to goal scorers. And there's no money and there's no incentive to pay defenders. So there are no good defenders. You know, like if you think about the designated players for every team, you know, you're, you're looking at the, the Carlos Velas of the world, not, you know, outside of FC Cincinnati, who decided to make Jeff Cameron um, hereditarily wealthy, (laughs) (laughs) which is fine. I'm glad for him. Uh, he, He gets to, hang out and not play in the playoffs for the rest of his career. I mean, Cincinnati is a cool city. Got to live, get to live there. Yeah. He gets to live in Cincinnati. He gets to have some chili that uh, I've never had, but looks atrocious. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, when did the Bengals sign him? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so just sort, sort of like, I think that that's, that's the correct sort of take on Kellen Acosta. Um, and all of the MLS guys, right? Like you can, you can tell, uh, I, I noticed that, um, I want to say it was Pepe. It was probably, it was, it was either Pepe or DK, um, that they scored a goal. It was DK. Um, when he got back from, from England and he, he scored a goal where like, he just like had so much time to get it to his right foot and then he blasted it in and it was a good goal and it was whatever. And I remember thinking to myself, like, how did he get that ball to his right? Like, how did he have that much time to do it? And it's just a function of MLS. And like, it's a different style of play and it rewards different things. Um, Unfortunately, international games uh, tend to be played at an intensity that um, is reserved for people who can get fired if they go on three game losing streaks. Um, As opposed to MLS where, you know, there are no real repercussions like Bob Bradley, oversaw a, a pretty bad um, drop from LAFC. And then suddenly he just sort of gets to go to Toronto because he wants to coach his kid. LAFC is um, going to regret that in the long run. Have they hired anybody yet? I've heard. Well, that'll be interesting to note. I'm sure uh, all of you listeners who, who, who look to get your MLS news from us will report it three weeks after it happens when we remember. Um <laughs> So, so the other, the, so we, we, we've talked a little bit about, I don't think that there's much to talk about with the wing depth. I think that we know our top four and then, you know, it's, it's, if, if we need to figure out who our fifth is, um, I, I think that we're all pretty confident that some combination of Paul Ariola, Conrad De La Fuente, a healthy Jordan Morris. Um, is there anybody else that I'm missing? I don't think so. I mean, at this point, when you look at like the starting 11 for the U S you're talking about an open spot, possibly at striker, and that's it. I mean, I guess you could flip a coin for Turner or Stefan at this point. Uh, you know, that's not a just, you know, potato, potato, what are you looking for? But beyond that, like, 
you're just looking for guys to break through and add depth. You want De La Torre to break through and get a look good for the U.S. You want Busio to keep pushing and whatever. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not even sure who the, the midfield candidates are to be pushing in, uh, you know, to be pushing a breakthrough for the national team, but you're just looking for, you know, you're just looking for uh, more lottery tickets. You just want more guys to break through and move or, or what good for their, their MLS team or whatever. Yeah. So I, I think that that's sort of the, the game that we're playing. Um, I think that for qualifying, we know what, what we need to do and it's um, MMA and whatever wings we have uh, need to start home games because you need those wins. And those are, those are absolutes. Um, you know, in terms of the midfield, like, I think that if you can play folks 270, you, you play them, you know, and if you can't, you can't, but, um, I think that that's sort of the idea. I think you can rotate in the wings, especially since we, we need to keep Christian healthy. Um, you know, our team, our team looks different when he's on, on the field. Like we, we can get by with Aronson and Wea, but, um, we look different when he's there. Reyna, obviously we'll see how he comes back. Um, you know, and like you said, like, you know, I, I feel good about our center back depth. Um, I feel good about our fullback depth, really, um, especially especially if Scally is, is able to maintain this. Um, so really what we're talking about is like, can we find a striker? Because, you know, I think we, we all were very, very excited about Pepe. Um, you know, he put a pep in our step. Eh, no. No. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I think we're still looking. I think that that if you told me that, that any of like five folks were going to start our next game, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I, I'm still, I'm still really high on, on P Funk Railroad. Um, I think that he is, is a must bring, uh, not a must start, but a must bring, because I think that he brings something late in games that we don't have, which is a dude who can go up and get it. Um, and, and bully people in the box. Well, he's Alan Gordon. Remember when Cl- people used to get mad when Klinsman would bring Alan Gordon and it's like, <laughs> yes. well, of course you throw him on for the last five minutes when you're down and like you hope he scores a header and maybe he sticks his junk in a soccer shoe. You never know. <laughs> uh, yes, precisely that. Uh, but you know, if, if, if you told me that we were going to roll with Zardes and rely on our wingers to score, like, okay. We're gonna we're we're gonna bring Sergeant and we're just gonna press to hell and hope that something happens. Great, you know we're gonna bring DK and and try to bully people. Great, like I I just I don't think that there's a huge difference between whatever one is and whatever five is on our depth chart at, at center forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and I you know I I don't know that there's there's an obvious answer before before December of, of next year. I mean I guess what Malik Sonogo is that what we're looking at? So I think that where we are with the, with the center forward depth, you know, you, you want P-Fuck there uh, as a, as a sort of a bench option. Um, but, you know, the, the difference between one through five, I, I just don't think is, is very uh, meaningful. Yeah. Yes. I think agreed. That, I think that's right. Uh, none of, nobody's really been able to, you know, make a clear case for why they should start yet. So it's kind of bring the whole gang. And I know we made fun of Greg for this before, but like, Who's ever got the high hand kind of has to hot hand kind of has to play, right? And I don't know if this is like a, a hot take, quote unquote. I'm sort of on board with uh, Greg Velasquez seems to really like this player. I feel like the highest ceiling for the U.S. as a team might be with Ferreira at the nine because I think he enables the attack to flow in a way that none of those other guys can. Now I'm not sure he's 
the finisher you want as a nine. He's not going to get go up and win headers and things like that. His, his hold-up play is – I mean, his hold-up play is good if you can get it to his feet, but he's not going to – you know, he's not going to control a long ball, back a guy down, and, uh, you know, control it that way for the team. But you know who can control things? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hopefully that was good enough for an ad. Okay, uh, I don't watch as much MLS as you guys. That was the worst one we've done so far. Um, I don't watch as much MLS as you guys. What's like the what's the scouting report on Ferreira? I think you're the most you watch the most out of any of us, Kevin. What you got? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of what you see for the national team. He's not the the biggest guy. He he likes to drop a bit more. He likes to, to c- combine more than he's not like a Zardes or even really like a PFOC type. That's kind of like direct in a sense. Um, well, he there, plays like a 10, nine and a half role yeah, for Dallas. Right. He'll sit underneath Pepe for Dallas. There was a window. I think it was during this. Uh, I don't know. It was back before Burhalter took over where I'm fairly certain he, he got a couple of starts at a nine back then. And it may have been coming off of either like a U20 or U17 camp where he looked pretty good, but he was pretty hyped for a little bit and then kind of fell off the radar and just clearly made his way back in. I don't, I don't really know what to make of him and what his trajectory is. Um, so he's not, he's not at, as young as Pepe. So he's kind of almost in a sense compared to like when you think of most of our starting talent, They've, they would have made their move. So he's he's going to turn 21 December 24th. So you would think that he's he needs to get a move pretty soon um, if he wants to kind of have a, a career trajectory that matches the fact pattern of a lot of our starting players at this point, especially on the attacking side. And I think he was kind of supposed to carry the offense of that Olympic qualifying team. Mm-hmm. And that was just a... <laughs> a failure all the way around so it's tough to blame it on him yeah it's kind of interesting that you know we, we're gonna say that he like the offense is the high ceiling with that kind of guy because it sounds like he's kind of a hybrid between like a nine you guys said nine and a half and i would think i i would think the highest ceiling for this team is finding a like a true hold up uh hold up striker that can just sit up top and they can let his wingers play behind him and then it's just good at finishing but I mean, I, guess I mean, maybe prime Altidore is what you really want, but of the of the options we have available to us, I think Ferreira fits the best with the way that Greg wants to play. I think he's the best at doing that kind of slick interplay, passive move, 
style thing. Now, if Pepe develops into Lewandowski or something, then yeah, you just, you go with that. But uh, given the guys we have, and again, like if you told me in a year, like somebody who's not even on the depth chart as our starter, like if Malik Sinogo declares for the U.S. and decides, like I would totally buy it. Like if somebody who's not, if somebody starts game one of the 2022 World Cup, it's not, doesn't have a, a cap right now, I would not be surprised in the least. Yeah, I mean, we, we belabor that point a lot, but it is – nobody's really been able to distinguish themselves. We always get these flashes in the pan where we all get very excited about Pepe or, you know, Sargent looks good for a little while or, you know, P-Folk's big thing is that he – for the young boys, he can score. He's basically scoring at will. I mean, he slowed down a little bit, but he was playing really well for a while. But it's it really is just somebody needs to, like, step up and kind of play maybe not even better than everybody else, just more consistently. Because you, if you if you're gonna start a guy up at striker, you want to know that like he's gonna give you X, you know, this certain thing during the game, and not be like, man, I really hope he plays well because I have no idea what the hell to expect. Well, and I don't want it to sound like I'm burying Pepe either, because I mean, obviously the guy performed very well in his first couple caps, but he's also supposedly moving to Europe in January. And if I told you he's played ten minutes in the you know for Wolfsburg in the next six months, would that surprise you? I mean, no, and I've, I've definitely been here this entire time uh, and listened to this entire conversation. Um, and my computer wasn't uh, freaking out during that time period. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that that's the thing with like, with Pepe is that it, you want, we want our guys to move to Europe and play at the best, um, the best levels, but like, you also want them to play. And I, I'm not confident that, that Pepe's going to walk in and, and start for a, for a mid-table Bundesliga team or, or wherever Wolfsburg is right now. Um, but I think, I think that, like, the, the guy who I'm still and, – and let's, let's just sort of, like, roundtable this. Like, who do you hope takes it? Because, like, my hope that, that, that takes it is, is Hoppy. And we haven't mentioned him once in this entire discussion um, because he made one of those moves where he moved to a, a, a higher level club and he can't get on the field. Um, now there's, there's some rumors about him being hurt, some rumors about him having some issues with uh, language, but you know, that's, that's the guy who I'm hoping takes, takes the mantle. What about, what about you, Kevin? Actually, I just real quick before we get to Kevin, I would like to point out that you guys keep saying that Matthew Hoppy can't speak Spanish and he did in fact tweet out in Spanish. <laughs> so looks like jokes on you guys. He, he, he tweeted one word. It was vamos. It was. <laughs> As 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 a guy who who consistently got B's in Spanish, I also know vamos. And it wasn't even upside down exclamation point; it was normal exclamation point. Excellent. <laughs> so, uh, Kevin, vamos. Who do you got? Uh, maybe this is just like a contrarian take, but I'd love to see Josh Sargent come back full circle and just be on fire, scoring for Norwich. I, I know that he we've seen him do everything except what we need him to do for so long, but just seems improbable to me that these high level clubs continue to give him chances and minutes in the position where you need to score goals, despite his on field production, not being there. And that tells me that over relatively speaking, a much larger body of work experiencing time with this player in practice, he must just be an absolute hammer. And if you could get over that mental hurdle, I think that he, he offers a lot of slick interplay. I think that physically he's, he's built to have someone on his back and like receive a ball. Like he has, even when he was like a younger guy, like he, he has just like 
really like strong looking like legs. He's like a physically like strong dude. And so you don't have to wait for that. Cause with Pepe, yes, he, he hits these all, you know, he has a great scoring touch and he finds smart places and he, he can poach extremely well. But then like, sometimes you see him like get out wide or have to run stuff down and you can tell like, okay, yeah, he's still an 18 year old kid. who's developing a little bit. Um, so if Sergeant can get his mental stuff sorted, he may be the most plug and play um, striker we have at like a level that he could play to. Yeah. So, so what, what about you, Greg? What do you think? I mean, we talked about this before. I prefer, you know, bigger, more hold up uh, center forwards and less of the guys that can drop back. Like my ideal center forward is not a false nine guy. It's a big old, it's prime Josie Altador, like just big old boy in the middle. that can, hammer things home. So I guess mine is I'll give it to P folk ahead of DK right now, but uh, it's one of those, it's one of those two. See, I always think of Josie as actually a guy who loves to drop deep and combine. Like he, he played almost as like a false nine, a lot of his career. And that was one of the issues. Cause I remember this was in the, the peak Dempsey era where you basically had to play them. We, we almost had to play it. Back then, the three-five-two apparently didn't exist. World football had not thought of it yet, so the only way to get two strikers on the field was a four-four-two in two thousand, you know, fifteen. And you almost had to play Josie like next to somebody because he he never could really do it by himself because he needs someone to like combine and and like think through how to how to beat a defense. I was going to so, say, there's the difference between what Josie was supposed to do and what Josie did do, and you kind of outlined it there. Well, th- that was, and then that was like the argument with with Bobby Wood was he was probably the most in this little window of U.S. soccer it was like the most obvious. Like you can play him alone up top if you want to play with true wingers, but then that turned into Nishivo. Well, Clint Dempsey doesn't really play as a winger, so then you're playing a four four two, and I'm rehashing like Mexico recaps of then us being outnumbered in midfield. Cause you had like Alejandro Bedoya and like d- mixed disc career getting ran over by a three man midfield against Mexico. And it's like, Whoa, like how did that happen? Why are we playing Robbie Finley instead of Benny Failhopper yeah, in the midfield? Jesus, dark <laughs> days. Uh, just to be clear here, the three, five, two was invented in like the eighties in Italy. So I- it, I'm joking, it, but it was an it, option. It, it, you know what? I don't know. Like, it's not like we had a bunch of center backs in here. I'm trying to think through the player pool a bit more critically. It's like you shouldn't. It's yeah. better if you don't. Let that go. Two is always like the fanboy option because you can get rid of a central defender or get rid of a defender and put on an extra forward. Yep. Oh yeah, it, it feels great in FIFA. Right. Of <laughs> uh, midfields and Italy. Uh, we would also, as a podcast, like to re- recommend people watch that Juventus special on Amazon solely for the fact of Weston McKinney having to interact with any given Italian teammate, but mostly, how do you pronounce it? Chiellini? Chiellini. Chiellini. Yeah, because he is the most aggressively Italian person I can think of, and watching Weston McKinney try and explain ranch dressing to him <laughs> was delightful. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I feel like it was implied when, when Weston McKinney, like, he was, like Chiellini asked him um, to, to preview this. He, he asked him, like, oh, do you like pizza? And I think Chiellini was thinking like, oh, like actual like Italian style flatbread yeah, Napolini or whatever. Yeah, and 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 you know, Wes was sitting there like, hell yeah, I like Domino's. <laughs> <laughs> 
Give me five for five. Yeah, an extra most bestest from Little Caesars. And not that this is going to be a surprise to anybody, but there's like a scene like 10 minutes in where Cristiano Ronaldo is sitting there shirtless sunbathing and just basically telling people that he how great he is. He's like, I take care of myself. See, I lay here 20 minutes. If I sit here for more than 20 minutes, I get lines. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Again, I'm going to steal your own joke from you, but who could have seen Cristiano Ronaldo being unlikable? Uh, this is my shocked face. Well, that was fun with the, uh, with the soccer guys, but I think the happiest guy in the room is now joining us. Uh, Angus, how are we feeling? Woo! We won. Yeah, baby. Uh, exercised. First time in nine years. And even that last one didn't really count. Ten years. Ten years. Ten years. At the last one. You were were on the field. I actually wasn't. I I refused to rush that one. Because fixed. Well, yeah, no, because it just like wasn't a real win. (laughs) I'll tell you what, in retrospect, a win over Luke Fickle is worth more than a win over Ryan Day this year, so... Luke Fickle. I don't know if that's true, zero but we'll, we'll let that go. <laughs> I don't know. Luke Fickle, zero losses. Ryan Day, two losses. I mean, strictly speaking, you have to share the value of a day loss, and there is no Fickle loss. So, Against the AAC. <laughs> and Notre Dame. And yeah. Notre Dame, who, who may make the playoff, which is... Over Cincinnati. Not yeah. may, will. <laughs> I think we need to prepare ourselves for Cincinnati getting absolutely fucked uh, on Tuesday. Actually, they might be fine <laughs> on Tuesday. They're not going to be fine on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, no. I, How about that Ohio State play calling? <laughs> So let's let's um let's talk about this game in depth a little bit. I uh I will admit that I did not catch the first half. Um and then by the time uh the second half had happened like and and I started watching like it was very clear what was going on. My recording didn't record the first half for some reason. So yeah. So I actually have a question for you guys. How do you feel about watching games on DVR? So I uh before I had kids um, I couldn't do it. I could like, I could not do it. Now that um, I have kids, it is the greatest thing in the world for games that I am not personally heavily invested in. So okay. like, I will, I watched the Penn State game on DVR today or uh, last night or whenever we're recording this. I don't know what day it is. Did you but, know the score? Nope. Nope. It's see, like, yeah. See, the thing is, is that like the wonder of, um, having kids is that it's super easy to not have your phone on you because they take it anyways. Like, <laughs> Oh, you're looking at this thing. I'm going to take it now. And like, that applies to anything. Like I was, I was drinking coffee. They like, they don't like coffee, but they'll take your cup of coffee. Uh, I, they, they, they hate, this is, this is actually it. They hate seltzer, hate it. Every time they drink it, they give this awful look and they're like very upset. I mean, it's bitter and like kind of disgusting. Yep. And today I could not drink my seltzer because every time I went to take a swig, they like grabbed it and were like, no, 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 I want a swig. And I would give it to them and they would get upset because it wasn't water. And this happened five or six times in a row. Anyways. uh, So the point is, is that watching games that you don't care about on DVR is great. Watching games that you're like going to be emotionally miserable about um, and you can't, turn off your phone. Like I tell, I tell Stumpy probably 
in our Michigan State chat, I probably once a week it's like, hey, go silent on this. I'm not going to watch this game until later. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't tell us not to say anything about the Michigan State game, but also like who was talking about the Michigan State Nobody game was. that didn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, I, like the Michigan State game mattered for reasons that we can talk about not nearly at, at, as at length as how much the Michigan-Ohio State game mattered. Yeah. But it, like, it, it mattered a lot for like feelings ball and also uh, were an Oklahoma State win over Baylor away from Michigan State going to the Fiesta Bowl instead of the Citrus Bowl and like stuff like nice. that. And like, it's good for recruiting to have 10 wins and 10 and two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it, it looks better. And, and, you know, going from two, two wins to two losses, like there's some narrative niceness there. Yeah. So I was asking about the DBR thing because I was watching the first half uh, on game day, the Michigan game. And then I was expecting direct TV to work on my jet blue flight, but then it didn't work until the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah. I because didn't... I like, I forgot about like the international role. Uh, but oh, that was funny though. Yeah. International role is really funny because like when you're international, you actually want games to be on like obscure channels because there's a better chance <laughs> a, that like they'll carry those. You can watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we had the Michigan when I was, when I was in, uh, Cabo, Michigan Penn, that was the Michigan Penn State game, and we had to go to a very specific, like, expat bar because <laughs> he had ABC. Everybody else was like, oh, we'll just watch in the hotel. We can just turn on ABC. It's like, guys, you understand ABC no. is American broadcasting. You're in Mexico. <laughs> so, like, it's, it's, it's ironic because, like, at least prior to the explosion of ESPN and ESPN plus really. But like, I, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when we were kids and like, you couldn't watch every game. I, there, there was not a season in which I watched every single Michigan state game because if it wasn't on ABC and it wasn't a bigger game than whatever Ohio state was doing, it was like, well, you're on ESPN plus, And if UPN isn't playing Moesha, it'll play that game. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Anyways, like I broke my my like no DVR role. It's not that like I didn't know the score, but I watched the first three quarters this morning, and it was cathartic as hell. <laughs> yeah, there's also uh, YouTube, you, there's YouTube compilations you can watch where it's basically just action. Yeah, yeah, you're done. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch those if I want to like relive something. But otherwise, not. Really. Yeah. Also, and this is the last thing I'll say about the DVR thing before like launch into the game. Screw Fox because it took me I think an hour and a half to get through three quarters of football. Yes. Yeah, but you know what? The, the thing <laughs> is, is that like you can't be mad at Fox because they're they're just you know they're trying to get those ads in, and you know who Apple else is, is trying? Do you know who else is trying to get those ads in? Is it us? It's us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
hopefully an ad got in. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. We'll I like see. how we're like, yeah, I like how we're like three weeks into this relationship and we're still like, please, dear Lord, I hope that got it. <laughs> um, so I, I think the, the, the big takeaway from, from this game, and, and obviously I watched an extensive amount of Ohio State over the last two weeks, um, is that the, the, the headlines will be like, oh, Hassan Haskins is so good, or, or maybe there's, there's conversations like, oh, has Cade turned the, the corner? Donovan Edwards has great hands. Skill position, you know, the corners held up. He's got one great hand. He's got a great hand, not two. We don't know about the other one. It's a question. He has at least one good hand. At least one. Uh, Hold on. There's a a really, really... Did you guys ever see the movie Kingpin? (laughs) No. Yes. Uh, Great. I didn't see where I went, but yes, I agree. (laughs) Um, Bill Murray with a hook for a hand for like an hour and a half. Uh, no, it's Bill Murray making fun of Woody Harrelson, Woody Harrelson for having a hot brand. I'm sorry. Correct. <laughs> In a bowling movie. It's phenomenal. Yes. Um, Randy Quaid is the main character. He's Amish for some reason. Uh, it's Cohen. That's a Cohen Brothers, right? I assume so. Kingpin? No, I don't think so. The director's famous. I don't remember who it is. Anyways, great film from 1996. Um, about a guy with one, uh, there's a, there's a very funny Bill Murray joke. And he says to Woody Harrelson, well, why don't you just give me a hand? And then he runs around saying, I just said, give me a hand to Munson and runs around for like, it's like basically the scene from 22 jump street, but like 15 years early. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's not the Coen brothers. It's Barley brothers. I'm sorry. Uh, one of those pairs of brothers, uh, has made a lot of important films and the other one made me, myself and Irene. And there's something about Mary. And Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. It's a lot of uh, a lot of iffy movies there. Oh, uh, that's kind of their wheelhouse. I don't think they ever make yeah. like, bad movies. They're just like meh. No, they do make bad movies. They made Fever Pitch. That was a bad movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's not their fault. That's Jimmy Jimmy Fallon's fault. No, that's the fault. That's everybody's fault for deciding to make it about the Red Sox. Yeah. I guess it's really the Red Sox fault for winning. Yeah, they ruined. Yeah, <laughs> ruined it by winning a World Series, jackasses. Like, can you can you imagine like you, like you make a, a movie about like this cursed franchise, and it's really about how like fans of a franchise like it doesn't really matter if you win or lose because as long as you get Drew Barrymore in the end, it, it all works out. It's Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I long as you so, get yeah. yeah, as long as you get Drew Barrymore in the end, it, it all works out. But then it's like, no, actually, if you you ask Jimmy Fallon whether he would rather the the, the Sox win the World Series or have Drew Barrymore, he'd be like, well, I guess they won the World Series, so don't know. <laughs> oh, <shit. God. laughs> um, all right, so so the, the big takeaway here is that Michigan on the offensive and defensive line um, grew up a ton in the last month. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't know exactly why or what happened. Um, I think that against Michigan State, Michigan State was able to um, work those defensive tackles and Ohio state either didn't or couldn't. Um, again, I didn't watch the first half of this game and by the second half, uh, they were in yeah. throw mode. I don't, I don't know if it was in the first or second half. There was, uh, there was a play where Donovan Jeter, like somehow got off of his block to tackle. I think it was Henderson. And I looked at, I, I looked at the play and like Alyssa was watching it with me. And I'm like, I've never seen him do that. I've literally yeah. never seen he's like he, for his entire because this is a fifth year senior in his entire career he's just been a space eater 
And like this dude's like now getting off blocks to make like impressive tackles on like one of the best running backs in the country. Yeah. That's impressive. Right. right. And 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 Ohio State's interior offensive line is significantly better than Michigan State's. Um right. so you know, and and obviously like I'll say this. I don't think that Ojabo and Hutchinson look better against Ohio State than they did against Michigan State, which is either... They look about the same. Right, which is either a huge credit to Michigan State's offensive tackles in retrospect, or maybe maybe they got up for, for, for the competition, which I think is probably a testament to the, the entire team. But I think Michigan's offensive line um, was really this game. You know, I think because Ohio State's defensive line is phenomenal against the run they're not a great they're not they're not a great pass rushing outfit but they are phenomenal against the run and Michigan worked them and like there's nothing like like there's no like deeper analysis they they could run the ball so they did yeah yeah I'm sure you remember uh Michigan State versus Iowa at the not at Iowa in the Big Ten championship game where Michigan State in their final drive nine minutes ran they didn't have so it was Wisconsin. Wisconsin was Wisconsin. No, no, no. It was against Iowa. It was a nine play drive. And, and it's not that they just ran. And they, they just they just ran Le'Veon nine straight times in a row. Uh, we did that against Ohio State. Yeah, it was LJ Scott. The final drive. Yeah, it was LJ Scott. And um notably on that drive, Connor Cook hit uh Aaron a, a, a broken Connor Cook hit a broken Aaron Burbridge for like a nine yard gain on third and seven against the cover two. And Gus Johnson goes nuts because he's like, what a throw. And if you watch the game, you can watch like the highlight of that play. Everybody knew that they were running cover two. Connor Cook threw the ball about like a full second before he otherwise would have because his shoulder no longer worked in that game. And it was like, all right, cool. Great. We're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. There's just like nothing better watching Michigan run the ball down Ohio State's throat. And they're just like, there's nothing we can do about this. And then the final on the final play, they're like, okay, we have to let Haskins in because if we don't, then we lose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ryan Day's inability to do math was also a very funny underlying plot of that game. Yeah. When when, when did can... he make a bad math choice? Twice. twice. He made the exact same choice, wrong choice twice. When you are down 15 and you score a touchdown. No, you when you score, they were yeah, they were down 15 to go down eight or seven and they kick the, the point after both times in the second half. Why it was, wouldn't it was like wait, a minute left to go in the third. And then like with 10 minutes to go in the fourth, you always go for two there because you need to know as soon as possible, whether or not it is a one score game or a two score game. You do not want to wait until the last possible second. And then have, let's, let's imagine, let's say they scored, uh, they were down eight and they scored uh, with no time remaining on the clock. Do you want in that moment to have to go for two or would you have preferred 10 minutes earlier to know that you already had to do that? Sure. It's, yeah. it's, this isn't a question of like, which one do you think you should do? This is mathematically speaking, the correct answer is go. Yeah. For yeah, yeah. I under, I understand. It didn't functionally matter in this game though. In retrospect, it didn't matter, but it could have. You don't know that. It could have. Maybe if he gets two the first time, all of a sudden it's a seven-point game and everybody's more fired up on that side. Like, who knows? The point is he did it wrong both times. And also there's there's something to be said about if you miss that, then you go into quasi-panic mode a little bit earlier. Now, and it helps you catch up a little bit faster. Right. Maybe. Potentially. I, it's it's a, a lot of, like, what we're talking, the implications of it 
are not really all that important. The, the fact of the matter is, is that it's basic math. Um, and, the, and Ohio State failed at it, which going to leave that joke. You all can make it. We're thinking it. But Ohio State uh, failing at basic math, it is what it is. Um, so I, I think that, that, that a, lot of the, a lot of my interest in this game and, and sort of the outcome of this game, beyond like the obvious playoff implications, beyond the obvious like Harbaugh really, really, really betting on himself. Like I made a lot of jokes. I made a lot of jokes. We all did. <laughs> I was standing for the soup man. Yeah. Like we, there were a lot. And by the way, still probably a good theory. I mean, he's, he's probably going to um, USC, but um, yeah, watch it happen. Who else? Who else? I understand. I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying like, I also, he's not going to succeed. <laughs> also, yeah. It, it, not only did I get to enjoy that Ohio State finally got their shit kicked in by Michigan, I got to point out to all of the Michigan people who were celebrating, like, you wanted a guy that just went six and whatever, six and five, or seven and five in the Big 12. Like, that's who you wanted to coach. I mean, and, and I'll say senior quarterback. Because you're wrong. <laughs> um, and I'll say this, like, I'll, to, just to give myself some credit, a lot of my jokes were like, well, who do you think is going to be better? Like, like the whole theory of Michigan and to a lesser extent, Michigan state is you do the best you can. You win 10 games a year, nine to 10 games a year. And if you get lucky, you catch Ohio state once and thus you go to the playoff. This is extremely feelings ball E, but like, yeah, who else could do it besides Harbaugh bringing in Mike Hart and Ron Bellamy to like instill the whole, like, to be clear, every single clear, practice we are going to beat shit. Ohio. To be clear, those last two don't mean shit. Harbaugh is a good coach; he's always been a good coach. You guys just got yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's the but thing like, is he did that... double down on that like this that that stupid crap. Also, the bigger hire was not Mike Hart or Ron Bellamy, who gives a flying fuck. It's that Mike McDonald turns out to have actually not been a bad hire and an amazing hire. Yeah. yeah. Well, the yeah. thing is, is that Mike McDonald was brought in to stop Ohio State. Like he's he is good at this specific type of defense and, and he's damn good style offense because he came from the pros. pros thank you but pros. more but more than that is that he he was built like he made his name the, 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 that those ravens defenses they made their name on that those those games when they stopped mahomes or they slowed down mahomes at the very least and the idea was is like okay how do you how do you deal with like a functional air raid and the answer is is five one five and that's what Michigan doubled down on. And oh, by the way, uh, it helps that you have two elite. I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah, elite, yeah. elite and. defensive ends. And Josh Ross, who Michigan fans for the last what 18 years, but probably less than that, have been saying sucks and can't do it, and isn't Devin Bush, and isn't this guy, and he's damn good. And he always yeah, was. he's really good. Yeah. And like, and, and so I, I think a lot of it is, is like, this is vindication and there's like a lot of fun in it, but there's also something to be said for like Harbaugh was always a good coach. That was never the issue. The issue was, is that um, Ohio state is always going to be better at least in this, in this time period. Now, maybe Ryan day can't do it himself. Maybe, maybe he can only win with urban Myers players until this year, Jim, Jim Harbaugh could only win with Brady hoax players. So who knows? Um, I don't buy that, but yeah. I don't, what, what, which part? The Ryan Day part. Oh, okay. he's a damn good coach. Like the, he just he got beat. It happens. 
Yeah, yeah no, no, I'm not. I, I, I think that the two times Sorry, that I mean, yeah, I, I, that's okay. Well, we need to touch on this really quick. Uh, Harbaugh is saying that some people are born on third and think they hit a triple. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> not be more ironic, and then all of the Michigan beat writers doubling down on it. One of the guys, I'm not going to name him, said something along the lines of like, They're "Yeah, can. Harbaugh got a longer leash." because of what his name is it's like son no harbaugh got his job because of what his name like you're you're starting way too far you're starting on third and being like oh shit i forgot we had to get the first two bases yeah he was born into a coaching fraternity like that's that's fine (laughs) like the thing is is that jim harbaugh is is like a, a princeling and that's fine you know like as long as you don't run around saying like oh i worked my way up from nowhere it's like no you worked for seven years for your dad and then got gifted a head coaching job at one of the better FCS schools. And then, you know, got gifted Andrew Luck. And then suddenly you were the head coach of the 49ers. Well, also not only that, but like he got, like one of the reasons that he's getting all these coaches positions is because he was the quarterback in Michigan, which he got while his dad was a coach on the Michigan staff, which is not to say that he didn't maybe deserve it. It's just to say like, you can't gloss over these and then be like, oh, yeah, by the way. Well, it's like, it's, it's like if, if, if Peyton Thorne one day becomes a, a, a really successful coach at, in, in the state of Illinois, you know, at, at, at Northwestern or, or University of Illinois or Michigan State, whatever. Southern he, Illinois Salukis. Let's go, baby. Sure. And like then, then he, he walks around saying like, oh, I worked my way up. From... No, dude, your dad is a national championship coach in Division three. <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think like, y- yes, that, but also I think the stupid Harbaugh thing saying stupid things. I think it's also partially that Ryan Day inherited an already built program. Harbaugh inherited Jabril the dregs of Brady Hoke. Sure. So, and nobody's arguing what the point is. The, yeah, the funny, I'll argue it. The funny part, no, the funny part is no. who said the quote. <laughs> I mean, like, he's got a point. And with Ryan Day, and Ryan Day is talking shit, so like he kind of had it coming back. Like, pick literally anybody else before to say that. Yeah. Or also, like, just like, don't say it. I, I, I can't believe that. Like, I disagree. In, like I, his I, like I, off-season I reflection. If I said that, I'd lose my fucking mind. <laughs> like and, the thing is, is that it's it's look. Ryan Day walked into the best situation that any coach can watch walk into. Which is post- yeah, except for a, a casual, uh, a casual, you know, the thing that happened with Urban Meyer. But yes, sure. No, but like, like <laughs> nothing to do with the players or the program. Well, the thing is, the program, but the, the thing is, is that like he got to walk into Urban Meyer's program before Urban Meyer started having to recruit felons. Well, maybe, but um, but like the thing is, is that it's like you didn't have to deal with late stage Urban Meyer at Ohio State, so you got Urban Meyer at the peak of their power. Yeah. Um, so Ryan Day like did walk into as good of a situation as you can hope to walk into. Yeah. Urban Meyer never got bored at Ohio State. He got stupid, which is pretty on par for Urban Meyer. But like he was still right. recruiting. He still had a full cupboard stocked. He just uh, did dumb things and got asked to leave. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, um, Urban Meyer currently losing by 10 to this year's Atlanta Falcons. Uh, all, well, I mean, if we're announcing things in that game, Avon Austin has a touchdown in the year of Tim Tebow's Lord, 2021. Wow. Also, let's go back to the D-line thing, because I think that uh, 
I don't know, obviously you guys, when I say, uh, if people weren't paying attention, uh, Twitter had a fun time yesterday after Aiden Hutchinson's admittedly very good game saying Aiden mm-hmm. is now a uh, like finalist for the Heisman, which number one, as pointed out to Angus, the only record thus far that Aiden Hutchinson has broken this year is his own program's sack record, which is fine. You know, 13, he, and 13 is not a great year. To, to be clear, I'm not trying to take anything away from Aiden Hutchinson. And my argument is that he should be invited to New York. I think it would be a good year to kind of make like a statement about how none of the quarterbacks really had that good of a year. Like none Bryce, of them deserve it. Bryce Young is up there. CJ Stroud actually might deserve it because he had a great game. They just like I can't believe if you go back and look at his stat lines, I can't. No, he had a great stat line. He just, I mean, they didn't win. But how much <laughs> they lost? Well, so apparently the wind was swirling. I, mean, I talked to Ace about this. The wind was swirling in the big house in the first half. And that's why they weren't taking like those shots downfield. And then once it like the snow died and the wind died, that's when they started like launching it in the second half, which was working the whole time. <laughs> to be well, clear, like, yeah. yeah. The thing is, is that Ohio State's offense, and you saw it against Michigan State, who cannot defend the pass, certainly not the deep pass, um, is that that offense is terrifying when they can throw downfield. If they can't throw downfield, it's not, it's normal. It's Good. It's huge. not huge, uh, historical. But yeah, so yeah. I think Hudson. Should be invited to New York, but only if we also invite Matt or I, I pronounce it. Areza. Areza. Uh, oh, San Diego yeah. State's punt god needs to be in New York because there is no player on the field this year who has affected his team's chances to such a historical degree as punt god. I mean, I'm, I'm, is I'm, he drafted? Yeah. Bill Belichick. <laughs> Probably right now trading assets, planning on using a second rounder on him. Like I would not be surprised. Well, here's here's my thing is that if you're if you're talking about like a random, let's say, I mean, he's not going second round, but let's say, let's say you're talking probably not going second round. Um, let's say you're you're talking about like a random fifth rounder, you know, say it, I don't know, 115, right? I think that's in the fifth round, 155, whatever. Yeah. Um, and you're saying to yourself, okay, how much is this kid? on average, going to affect a game? Is he going to be worth two touchdowns a game or two touchdowns a year, three touchdowns a year? And I'm telling you that Matt Areza is worth three touchdowns a year. Because if you're talking about 20 yards per punt, four punts per game, that's like, it's a a huge deal within the punting community. I mean, like there is a cap here. (laughs) I would so- How pretty hook is it that he turned a punter into like a potential most valuable player. I mean, I don't think Brady Hoke has anything to do with it. I think this kid just has a cannon for a leg. I also I, like. I, I, I happen I, to know. I, I would not be surprised if he goes in the second round. Like seriously, I don't think he's going any later than the third because I think people know. Like usually, it's kind of like when you're doing a fantasy draft where people know, like, oh, the run on kickers is coming, and somebody's going to try and draft draft him a round before the run on kickers. I mean, it'll probably be somebody with like two or three third round picks, but like, I would not be surprised if he goes in the second or third round. Oh, this poor kid is going to the Eagles. <laughs> no, he can't because if the Eagles know anything about their fan base is that their fan base would absolutely murder that kid. What has made you believe that the Eagles understand their fan base? <laughs> I mean, the Eagles fan base wanted them all dead for drafting Jalen Hurts in the third. And uh, today aside, uh, uh, pretty good. 
Yeah. And also like there's, there's something to be said um, about like knowing your fate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm aware. Um, the there is something to be said for for uh for like knowing your fan base because I I I will love the Phillies forever for getting Bryce Harper like that was just like a perfect marriage yeah <laughs> it's like very very happy about that so there was another game that we care about there were a couple more games uh, like talking about Michigan State just briefly because it wasn't all that interesting um, and the implications of it nationally are are pretty meh but. Um, I, I, I think that a lot of credit has to go to this Michigan State team because they got smoked by Ohio State. Um, yeah. and, and I think, it, and like half the team had the flu this week. And I think it would have been like real okay with everybody if they were just like, the uh, flu. Uh, I, my, my hands are in air quotes, the flu. I, I mean, I, I think that they did have the flu because um, based on my understanding, uh, a lot of them already had COVID. <laughs> So uh, that's the thing. Last year, like the Michigan, I mean, you it wouldn't count for the transfer students or whatever, the freshmen, but uh, last year, Michigan State famously had a very large COVID outbreak. Yeah. Uh, um, and yeah. That, but because, well, because of that, uh, again, we don't know anything because Aaron Rodgers lied and Antonio Brown might have used a fake vaccination card and whatever, whatever, whatever. But Michigan, State being re- Michigan State was being reported as over 95% vaccinated. And and that that tracks with with how like Mel Tucker operates because like you you he comes from the Saban school like Saban was was very very pro vax not because I think that he has any morality involved or thinks that science yeah, is yeah, good. yeah. In- infection meant losses right <laughs> if you are infected I can't play you if I can't play you you're not on my team right there's um, no point to having you you can go play at Auburn uh. <laughs> some of those players. <laughs> um, so Michigan State, like I think going 10 and two is, is like a, it's, it's really good for recruiting. I think it's, it, it's able to, to, for Mel Tucker to walk into living rooms in like a very clear way and say, Hey, when I get my guys, I'm good. You're one of my guys. Come on. Um, there have been a couple of, of like pretty high profile decommitments. None of them have flipped to Michigan State, but a couple of guys who like were very high on the list and there were a lot of rumors going around and suddenly those players decommit after this game one of whom was committed to Texas and decommitted in the middle of the Texas game, which I found very funny. Right. I think, I think you should be very clear. They decommitted from schools that are not Michigan. Yes. State. Yes. It sounds like you're saying Michigan state lost a bunch of commitments the last week. No, 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 no. I don't, I, I don't think that they've lost. Everybody anything. else did. And they are now rumored to be interested in Michigan state. Yeah. And there's a, like, there's a five-star tackle from Kentucky who is basically a Mark Stoops hire at a major school away from, um, from flipping and I think Mark's which school who wants to make a guess I I'd be willing to bet on this podcast that it's Oklahoma where do you think Lincoln's going LSU oh I think Lincoln Riley is going to LSU and I think Mark Stoops is is going to Oklahoma I think I think that Oklahoma is not happy with Lincoln Riley right now why because they lost to Oklahoma State and that, like, that leads me to my, my second point, which is like, yeah, you, you throw up your hands. It's like, well, rivalry game. No, that, that rivalry game does not go to Oklahoma State. They've played 119 times and, um, or 109 times. And last night was the 19th time that Oklahoma State won. So is Ohio State not happy with Ryan Day? Like, I, I don't think I, they are. Not no, probably to my knowledge. not in this moment, but like, you don't, 
fire a good coach for one loss. Okay. Is Lincoln Riley wait, a good wait, coach? No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's wait there. Let's go back a little while, and let's remember how many Michigan fans wanted to fire Jim Harbaugh simply for losing to Ohio State. Now say that again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, for those of us fan base, <laughs> he paused for a second, thought about it, and then started laughing. And and like the thing is, is that I, I think that if you're Lincoln Riley, um, you, I don't know that you really want to be at Oklahoma when they go to the SEC. Like I don't particularly want to be at Oklahoma when they go to the SEC. Certainly don't want to be at Texas, but. Uh, did you not see that Texas A&M uh, had a better record in their first five years in the SEC than they did their last five years in the Big 12? That's delightful. Um, <laughs> also, Jimbo has officially won the same number of games in, his, I think it's his first four years, as Kevin Sumlin did. Uh, for those of you that don't know, there might be uh, a difference between those two coaches. Um, I can't white put my finger on it, but... Um, well, there has to be a white answer somewhere, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, there's, there's, could be a lot of things. Certainly not a black and white difference. Uh, right. This issue isn't really black and white. I, no, I don't think so. No, uh, certainly, certainly nothing like that. Um, and we would never ascribe any amount of of uh, immoral or wrong uh, decision making processes to the Texas A and M boosters based on certain characteristics. Um, that Kevin Sumlin might have uh, that Jimbo Fisher doesn't. Um, Someone is not a uh, hunter from Louisiana. So that must be it. Must be it. Um, Probably it. Anyway, Bedlam was fun as hell because but, I can't as dumb as shit. I enjoyed I, that so much. I, I'll tell you, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I saw, I saw Oklahoma ball with 350 left at the 50 yard line. And I was like, oh, you poor cowboys. I know, right? Poor children. <laughs> I just liked that it like uh, it was the safety and then the um, the safety and then the they immediately scored like off the muff muff pump punt yeah. and then we just kind of reversed it except we didn't do the safety this time we just a muff punt <laughs> goes for a touchdown it's like oh cool how many dumb things can we do in this game it, it was... I cannot believe that there were defensive stops in that game the first half of that game was literally just all touchdowns I can't believe the over under to start was fifty one or whatever it was fifty and <laughs> and they half. beat it. <laughs> <laughs> it's shocking it's it, it like but that game was fun like that game is a good example of like I really like Oklahoma State I've always felt like a kindred spirit to Oklahoma State um as a Michigan State fan like like that that feels like a very good comparison and for them to like really go out and get it and they're gonna they're gonna go 11 and 1 and win their conference and not make the college football playoff <laughs> It'd be really interesting to see what happens uh, because I think obviously if Georgia wins, they're in. If Michigan wins, they're in. I think Georgia's that, in regardless. I think Georgia's in regardless. I'm just saying, like Georgia's that, probably in regardless. That would not. Alabama in. needs to beat Georgia to be ba- in. Bama, Bama needs to win. Georgia doesn't. I think if Georgia wins, you're, you're uh, assuming assuming every favorite wins. I think it's pretty simple, and I think that they're going to put in Notre Dame over Oklahoma State. Um, but Notre Dame is not playing a top championship game, and Oklahoma State gets, I believe, a top ten Baylor. Top. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying that because Oklahoma State? Well, hang on. Oklahoma State has to beat Baylor, and and then they're not. You're saying they're not in. I don't think they'll. I I I think it's it's the the question. I think Notre Dame is in. 
just for the record, I think Notre Dame is in. I think that Georgia's in. I think that Michigan-Notre Dame in the the 2-3 match. Yeah, obviously. Obviously, 2-3 is going to be Michigan-Notre Dame. And it's going to be Georgia versus if they – if Cincinnati wins, I think that it will be difficult. Um, I think that it will be difficult for the college football playoff committee to keep them out. Um, Well, but they also understand that, you know, if Cincinnati wins, they're, you know, not – no offense to Cincinnati or – Lou Fickle, but you are the sacrificial lamb to that Georgia defense. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't go think with God, the, brother. The committee an <laughs> issue with putting them in because they're like, listen, it's one game. Nobody's going to give a shit. Well, the thing is, is that it, it's a perfect situation for them because, like, when UCF was knocking on the door, there, there was a question. Like, you're like, uh, Mackenzie Milton's pretty good. Maybe they could do it. Blah, blah, blah. Desmond Ritter is a really, really nice quarterback. I, I think that that team is very good. Yeah, that will end that that game. Cincinnati, Georgia will end any discussion of group of five entrance into playoffs forever. Like th- that'll be the end of it because it's like, yeah, we put you in once and you lost 45 to six, um, which, you know, great. Oh, by the way, um, we uh, we we didn't mention we, we haven't really talked about it, but um, Georgia officially officially ends their regular season, giving up less than a touchdown a game. They gave up 83 points this year. Total. 83. Who was uh I know they avoided Bama during the regular season. Yeah. So who, I mean the, what were the big boys they got? Uh, they limited um a ultimately pretty normal Clemson team to three points. Oh, I forgot about that. Um that was a normal I mean, for like Clemson standards, that was a good Clemson team. We just forgot because they lost to like Pitt. two top 10 teams and then we'll pit. <laughs> yeah. Man. Top 15, top 15. Top 15 pit. Um, so, uh, so anyways, I think, I think like going into championship week, obviously uh, Angus, if you'd like to come back midweek for the, uh, the preview of the big 10 championship game, we can certainly do that. We can do a, uh, do it. a full thing, but um, I think going into uh, the, the, the championship weekend, um, like there's a lot of like fun going on, but I want to talk about the, my favorite game that's going to happen next weekend. Um, and it's the most important game of the weekend. Four and six USC versus four and six Cal in a makeup game. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so Georgia actually, so Georgia got a pretty routine Clemson team by their standards. And then their next two best opponents are Arkansas and Auburn. And I guess they routed Florida back when that actually meant something and then immediately stopped meaning anything. Yeah, I mean, the SEC East is pretty bad. Um, Tennessee yeah. might be better than we thought, but like... <laughs> Speaking of, guess who scored the most points on Georgia this year? Joe Melton? Tennessee, they got 17. And Joe lost, Melton. And lost by 24. I think that by then, Joe Milton had already been benched. He did, yeah. Uh don't 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 change my uh what I know about this. Joe Milton scored those points. Joe <laughs> Milton. Um, it's it's like we're gonna be like three years down the road. Tennessee will have scored fifteen points and be like, hey, good for Joe Milton. Yep. <laughs> Thanks so much to our guests. Uh, of course, Angus was on with his bloody beef and something. I don't know. I don't remember what we call that. Uh, as well as uh, Ben and Kevin. You can find Angus on Twitter at jburger90. Um, he has a lot of hot takes. Um, he doesn't usually tweet that, takes. but he does have a lot of hot takes. Uh, he Some of them are takes. 
some of them. Uh, you can find Kevin uh, in the, the hills and mountains of Colorado. You cannot find him on the internet. He doesn't believe in it. You can find Ben on Twitter at BL Herald. Uh, you can find him on the internet at halfspaces.com. You can find uh, Stumpy on Twitter at Mr. Mojo Rising 89. For all of your uh, like worst opinions, just tweeted him. And you can find all of us, but usually me, uh, at TLS underscore N underscore TDS. Uh, we tweet about everything. No, we don't. We tweet about soccer and football. Uh, occasionally we tweet about basketball or one time I tweeted about baseball. Um, that was a mistake. Someone yelled at me, uh, but whatever. Unwritten rules don't matter. They're not a thing. Right. Uh, you can't find us on Instagram. We're, we're working on that. We're going to get that up and running shortly. Don't worry about it. Uh, same with TikTok. We're, we're going to get that TikTok up and running shortly. Um, a special thank you to our sponsors, whoever Blue Wire decided to put in this week, uh, as well as the Smith Workforce, <laughs> the Smith Workforce Management Group. Um, and a special thank you to you, the listeners. Uh, please like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell colleagues, tell people you don't know to listen to this podcast. We appreciate it. Uh, and uh, give us five stars. Uh, we, we, we really like seeing those. Um, and uh, of course, we couldn't and wouldn't do this without you. So thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. Do you even know how to use TikTok? Podcast Network.